President Trump threatens to cut federal funding for schools that refuse to reopen in the fall. Uh, he also withdraws from the World Health Organization, and Kanye explains his presidential run. That's all coming up, and it starts right now. Welcome to the news and why it matters. I am Sarah Gonzalez, today joined by Jason Buttrell, chief researcher of the Glenn Beck program. It is Wednesday and Jason is allowed out of his house <laughs> only to perform on this show. That's right. So it's his one day a week. He Is Is this also the one day that you shower a week? Uh, yeah, well, you know, I've, I'm not divulging that at all, but totally. I will. This is the only day that I do put pants on. Every other day, it's pantsless. Okay. Well, we didn't need to know that. So moving on to, uh, we are also joined by Luke Macias, political consultant. Luke Macias, thank you for being here. And uh, so let's let's talk first about, I'm really, really fired up about it, and I'm going to do my best to just like, (laughs) and let the men at the table talk. You know, the way that we do here. Oh, that always works so well. Yeah. You know, the way that we do here. But, uh, kids are involved. But I just, I just read the, the new Texas Education Agency guidelines for reopening schools in the fall. And this is, of course, in Texas, no less. Uh, and I was super pissed about it. And then I saw President Trump had actually tweeted about reopening schools as well. Uh, he said, in Germany, Denmark, Norway, Sweden, and many other countries, schools are open with no problems. The Dems think it would be bad for them politically if U.S. schools open before the November election, but it is important for the children and families may cut off funding if not open. Uh, he also, very quickly during a, uh, a press conference, he also made some comments about uh, putting some pressure on governors, on states to reopen the schools, and uh, maybe they might be closed for political reasons. Uh, here's what Trump had to say. We hope that most Schools are going to be open. Uh, We don't want people to make political statements or do it for political reasons. They think it's going to be good for them politically, so they keep the schools closed. No way. So we're very much going to put pressure on uh, governors and everybody else to open the schools, to get them open. And uh, it's very important. It's very important for our country. It's very important for the well-being of the student and the parents. So we're going to be putting a lot of pressure on open your schools in the fall. Now, um, before I get to your thoughts, gentlemen, I do want to add, I did see that the CDC director uh, actually came out and said not reopening the schools would cause more harm yeah. than good for the children. Yeah. There have been several other, you know, I think it was the American Association of Pediatrics. One of the pediatric doctor associations have also come out and, fo- and followed suit and said this is going to be very harmful for children to not put them back into school. But I would like to throw a question your way. And Jason, I'll start with you. Um, wouldn't it also be harmful for children to go to a completely different school, right? So a school where you can only walk one way in the hallways, you have to wear masks or face shields, you have to, you know, sit six feet apart, you're not allowed to touch each other, you're not allowed to sit in a circle and socialize. I find that to be very harmful for students as well, especially students who are not starting kindergarten, but students who have been in the school system who know what school is supposed to be like and could be potentially 
entering a completely different atmosphere. You mean having them go to school and thinking they're in the movie Outbreak? Or, right, you know, right, or right. Walking Dead? Yes. That would be a little unnerving, Yeah, maybe? a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. Kids get anxiety over tests. Mm-hmm. Now put mm. face masks, shields, all that stuff on all the teachers and the students. Yeah, I think that's a little unnerving. Um, you're exactly right. I was just watching that video of the CDC because the president was taking so much criticism from the left and from the media from tell- saying that he was going to start pressuring governors. Well, the CDC is saying the exact same thing, yep. really. They're they're putting on some pretty heavy restrictions on what should you know the, what should be followed. You know the recommendations for you know these masks and all that stuff. But they're inherently saying the same thing, and like what you said, it's the American Academy of Pediatrics, mm-hmm. exact same thing. Um, and I was uh, also uh, the, uh, the report or the statement from the American Academy of Pediatrics. They also point out a lot of other things, like they're already seeing you know kids with special needs. Like, yes. most of the times this is not even brought up. Yes. They're, yes. they're permanently regressing. Yes. I mean, we, seriously. The, the society has completely thrown people with disabilities yeah. to the wolves yeah. over COVID. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it, they're not even, even attempting mm-hmm. to address that. Mm-hmm. And it's not like some of these families have the, you know, the, the ability to replace that with anything. Right. How expensive is a private special needs you know, mm. teacher yep. to come into the home and do this? No one can afford that. Absolutely no one can afford that, especially not at a public school. Um, so there's a lot of things that they're just not addressing here. And the, and the other thing is, you know, children are not, and the CDC director went into this, there, there are, there's practically no threat yes. of them with this, you know, with the virus. And not only that, but they said that they're not even seeing that, that uh, children at that age, mm-hmm. all the way up through high school, are not even bringing the virus mm-hmm. into the home. Mm-hmm. So what are, what are we protecting from? Yeah. I, I, I don't understand. Yeah. Um, Luke, they, they have a far more likely, far, they are far more likely to suffer some sort of life-threatening consequence from the seasonal flu. Yeah. But we haven't put these ridiculous measures in schools every, yeah, every single winter. We let the flu play out as it may. There are more children who die from the seasonal flu every year with the vaccine. I get it. I know there's a vaccine. And they're still dying, the mm-hmm. kids. Um, so what are your thoughts on, on the latest? I think homeschooling is about to skyrocket yeah. across Texas. Um, I think, unfortunately for many, though, that's not even something that parents can afford. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a stark contrast between what President Trump is doing and then what we're seeing here, even in Texas with Governor Abbott. You have a leader who is actually trying to do his best to push back against the fear, mm-hmm. right? So he knows that fear is it's debilitating, mm-hmm. right? And my pastor says it stands for false evidence appearing real. And I think that that's even more appropriate in this conversation. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just talked about the fact that we look at the flu numbers and we look at other things that have an actual impact on kids, but nobody's looking at the evidence. They're not asking themselves those questions. They're not basing it off of science or data. They're just saying, this makes us all feel better. Let's do it. And it's unfortunate that more leaders aren't stepping up and saying, no, Mm -hmm. when it comes to this issue, when it comes to our children and how we're going to educate them, we've got to get them back in. And some states are open to even delaying it further. I was talking to a teacher just the other day who was talking about the fact that, you know, she does all the online learning with her students and 40% of her students haven't even shown up at all since COVID shut down. And that's not too uncommon in many of these different school districts. So you're about to have some kids go a year in certain states without receiving 
any education. I mean, that's yeah. just the truth, and I think that's going to have massive consequences on society. The online learning is, is I hate to call it a joke, but it's pretty much a joke. <sighs> so the teachers are doing the best they can. Absolutely. They, yes. had, they had no parameters for this whatsoever. They yes. completely made it up yeah. on the fly. Yes. Yeah. Um, but, but most students, are, they're just not challenged by it. Yeah. Uh, my son, it's pretty much how I was in school, is he does just what he has to do to get mm -hmm. by and then goes through. Well, the kids, just what they have to do to get by is they wait all the way in the entire week until Friday, really quickly do the check marks on the, on the assignments and then turn it in. They didn't learn anything. I mean, we kind of did that in my house. Yeah. <laughs> my child is not... Stop criticizing my education. Well, no, I, but I'm just saying your son is of the age where he can he can do this himself, right? Yeah. He can he can log on to the yep. meetings. He can do that himself. Yeah. Even at my house, where my son is not of the age where he can do that himself yet, he can't work independently, we still, and I know, okay, I hear you haters out there. Uh, I heard you yesterday. You're like, you must not love your son because you're ready to send him back to school. Why don't you be a parent and maybe teach your kid every once in a while? Well, I did that. And here's the thing. I work really long hours, and I know that I don't have the time to dedicate to being able to fully homeschool him. Therefore, I don't want to give him the short end of the stick. Mm -hmm. But I'm looking at this, and I'm going... I'm going to have to look at these things. Mm. I know we have, you know, some sponsors that I'm really, I'm talking to them right now because mm. I, I don't know what we're going to do. And we're in a charter school. I can't imagine mm. people who are in just a straight up regular old public school um, thinking about sending your kids back to an atmosphere that looks like this. And Jason, I want to ask you this too, and, and Luke, you as well. Um, I was reading a story yesterday about Florida schools reopening, and I know Florida has ordered their schools to reopen in the fall. Um, there has been pushback from the teachers associations. You know, those unions, gotta love them. I'm sure that they're really in it for the students' health because they pushed back and they, they released a statement that said, um, you know, well, we do not support, we will not abide with a reopening plan that puts our students and our employees at risk of illness, hospitalization, or death. And I'm like... A, the Will students you ever are not come at back to work. Right. That's why I'm like, A, the students are not at risk. So you can shut up about right. that. But B, are you not aware that every single day that you're entering a school, a room full of school-aged children, you're basically in a germ factory? <laughs> it's like we didn't realize that COVID even existed. I'm sorry, that that illness, that viruses even existed until now we're dealing with COVID. And they're like, well, you guys can't put us in a position and our employer can't put us in a position where we might get sick on the job. Okay, so if, if they're if they're pushing back on Florida schools reopening, I want to know what data they're using to, to, to justify pushing back. But do you think they're using data or no. do, do you think it's about their health or do you think that it's just a union trying to use well, something to negotiate? Well, probably the latter. Yeah. Because um, you're talking about a union, as right. you point out. So that's, that's there, it's always something for their benefit. You know, the union's benefit. Never the worker's benefit that they claim to represent, but usually for the union's benefit, right. which is ridiculous. But there are probably a lot of teachers out there who are listening to what the union is telling sure. them. Sure. And, 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 and again, I want to know what data they're using mm -hmm. to, to, to justify this. And that's the same thing that I also want to, to land at the, uh, Luke, we were just talking about this. That's the same thing I want to put on Governor Abbott's desk and say, look through all this data. Mm -hmm. I want to know what caused you to do a complete 180 mm -hmm. and now become one of these other like liberal progressive governors, basically. Mm -hmm. Like you, you talked a very big game on personal liberty, yep. very big game. 
And, so and, what's going on now? And mask mandates specifically not being enforceable. Right. <clears throat> that, but that just went out the window. Right. What are you, what are you doing, man? Right. I, but I want to know what data is pushing this. Mm-hmm. I really do. Because what I think, I think they're being fear-mongered into this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think a lot of them are being fear-mongered into it. Then some of them are like, well, crap, you know, liability maybe or something. Right. I don't want to be the guy because I'm running for president in another four, eight years or something like mm-hmm. that that uh, caused this huge surge. And when you actually look at the data, and uh, was it uh, uh, Horowitz here from The Blaze did a great article the other day about, just look at the data. Look at the data in New York, New Jersey, California. Look at the data from the southern states, the ones that are supposedly seeing this huge surge Mm -hmm. right now. I mean, the the surge that they're talking about, we're still basically flatlined. Cases have gone up, for sure. But we're basically flatlined, and it is nothing compared to the worst of the worst cases that they kind of compare it to, which is New York. Mm -hmm. We were nowhere near that. Absolutely nowhere near that. And even though cases are going up, Death rate still going exactly. down. Exactly, you need it's that. It's still context. going down. Yeah, they never put that context. Right. Mm-hmm. So then, when you when you when you talk about look at the data you're using, none of it justifies it. Mm-hmm. So I would love, I would love for state legislators to start getting involved, yeah. and for them to start holding governors accountable for this. Luke, can you make sense of uh, Governor Abbott's 180? <laughs> oh, uh, you know when your biggest pursuit is popularity, um, it's it's much easier to pursue that as an end goal uh, outside of times of crisis, right? The, there's a, a saying I like it, which is smooth seas never made a seasoned sailor. And the truth is that Texas has been in rather smooth times for quite some time. So being a governor can honestly be a little bit more of a title mm-hmm. and it can be something where you just kind of are the executive and can make decisions that keep everybody happy. But when you're actually put into a leadership position where you have to make decisions, uh, you can, you can, you can, you know, freeze up and make the wrong decisions when you're just trying to keep everybody happy. And when it comes to the Florida schools, I think my dad was a state representative in Texas for two years and he served on the public education committee, which drove the teacher unions nuts because he was a homeschool dad on the public <laughs> education committee. I love it. Uh, but he asked all these questions and he told me I was literally 15 years old and he, we're in his office at one o'clock in the morning after some long public education hearing. And he said, you know, I finally realized that Unfortunately, in politics, education is about keeping all the adults in the room happy. It's not about trying to Mm -hmm. pursue what's in the best interest of the child. Mm. And that's, I think, where we kind of get sideways here in Florida and Texas and all these other places. Yeah. And I I just, you know, call me cynical, but I got to believe that if these schools get their way, November 4th, magically, they will be able to reopen Mm. uh, once they see how this election goes. We've got more coming up. First, we want to thank our sponsor of this segment, Rough Greens. So I have to tell you, um, I am really jealous right now because I have a coworker who is off screen who gets to bring his dog to work. (laughs) And you want to talk about a dog being part of your family. This dog gets to come to work. And you know what? I asked my husband, who is the director here, I said, can I bring my dog? I could bring him, I could bring her for a rough green spot. And he said, no, our dog's not as well behaved as, as, <laughs> as him. And I was like, thanks a lot. All right. So she may not be well behaved, our dog. Okay. But she is very well fed and uh, well nourished because we use Rough Greens. Now, uh, Rough Greens is a supplement that you sprinkle on top of your dog's food. It's not, it does not replace your dog food. So whatever you're using for your dog food, you use dry dog food. You can still use that. But the dry dog food doesn't have any nutrients left. They've killed it all out to give it that long shelf life. So Rough Greens brings back the vitamins, the minerals, the antioxidants, probiotics, omega oils, all that they need to thrive. 
all right? They are putting back in the dog's food. It will help them live a long, healthy life. And if you have an older dog, it will also help them with joint mobility, things of that nature, help them to thrive again. You can take the Rough Greens 14-day Jumpstart Challenge for $14.95. You will see the difference in your dog in 14 days or less, especially if you have a picky eater. I'm telling you, my dog was the picky eater. She would not eat her breakfast until like 4 p.m. and it drove me nuts. Now she eats it with Rough Greens sprinkled on top of it. So they love it and it's good for them. That's like the win-win. I wish that there was something for our kids that we could do uh, to make sure that, that they got all of their nutrients as well. You can go to roughgreens.com slash blaze to get you some. That is ruffgreens.com slash blaze. Back in just a minute. All right, while we're on the subject of Texas, just so that we can wrap up here, I know you people who don't live in Texas, well, first of all, you wish you did. But second of all, uh, you're like, I don't want to hear about Texas. You do, though, you do, because if it can happen in Texas, it can happen anywhere. That's the point we're trying to make here. Brooks County, Texas officials say that they are willing to arrest any patients positive for COVID-19 who refuse to self-isolate in their homes. They said that they, uh, they, they wrote a Facebook post, they cited Texas Penal Code 22, which states a person commits an offense if he recklessly engages in conduct that places another in imminent danger of serious bodily injury. So they said if you've tested positive, uh, you have to isolate yourselves until you subsequently test negative. We will arrest you. You're going to be punished if you don't. I, ooh, I'm having a hard time navigating this one. So we I, we, I actually looked this up right in the very beginning of this, and this is something that's very, very common, yeah. actually. And, and at any time there's any kind of you know virus like this, uh, the last frame of reference was the Ebola stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's important here, and I'll get to this in a second, this did happen multiple times. It seems like it was on the East Coast. It might have been in a couple other places that came over from Liberia, came back, they were exposed. Um, so they do have emergency powers to do this. Right. So what Texas is doing right now is fully within their emergency power right. rights. Mm-hmm. Now, again, just to hit on what I said before, you gotta have you gotta have strong data to back up how long you're keeping them, mm-hmm. and you really have to make it clear why this is necessary. Well, and it says in imminent danger of serious bodily injury. I feel like you. I mean, COVID is so rare. You'd have a hard time proving that you would be exposing someone to imminent danger of serious bodily injury. However, I don't think that people should be able to just go, you know, I know I'm sick, so I'm going to go out and infect people. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's it's a hard one to navigate. Plus, I just don't know how they're, you know, I would love to talk to a sheriff or a local PD. Yeah, how do you? What do you say about this? Right. That's really what I care about. I don't care if some random Joe Schmo city councilman says that, because it's one thing for you to say that, or even for the whole council to vote on it. I want to know what the sheriff thinks mm-hmm. about it. Um, that's always a good barometer, for, you know, for freedom, I think, in a county. What does your local county sheriff say? Um, but I, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm totally on the fence about it mm-hmm. uh, totally as, as well. I understand the intent, but you, but there's a slippery slope too, that you have to th- right. be thinking about too. Right. That like, well, okay, so what next time I have a, a cold, you, you got, you got to, right. You, you gotta, you gotta think about it. even with, okay. So for instance, I had a family member that they thought they might have uh, coronavirus. Mm-hmm. So they went to go get tested. Well, they were out of the rapid, you know, response tests. Yeah. So they had to wait. Well, they had to wait, and they got the test taken on a Friday. Well, they thought that it was, they told them three to four days. Mm-hmm. So apparently, so the entire family had to lock down for three to four days, everyone he's in contact with. They didn't have to, but they did because they were right. responsible. Right, right, right. So um, they thought it was picked up on Friday. It didn't get picked up until 
until Monday. They called and didn't get picked up until Monday. They didn't find out until uh, the week after that. It took yeah. an entire week. They found out like Monday or Tuesday afterwards. He didn't have it. But still, the entire family was locked down for that entire time. Yeah. So uh, I, don't, I don't, literally do not know how you enforce that in a free society. I just yeah. don't. Yeah. I, I think to your point of the slippery slope, the reality is, okay, if you're going to say that anytime anyone is sick and they could infect someone else, they could be arrested for knowingly right. being in a position to not interact with people, you're really setting a precedent to basically create an expectation. And this goes back to Florida that you talked about. We are trying to create an expectation in the United States of America that when you leave your home, mm-hmm. you should have no chance mm-hmm. of anything bad happening to you. Right. I mean, that's the idea, Which right? Which no one has so ever So teacher unions before. are not going to go to work if they could get sick. And by the right. way, if you're sick, if you interact with anybody, we can arrest you. And Brooks County, it's a total political statement. They have had 11 cases mm. since the beginning of the pandemic. So the county <laughs> that wanted to come out and say, hey, we're going to arrest anybody that does this. How many people in your entire county have had COVID-19, 11. What, in the last month? (laughs) Ever. (laughs) And you're like, okay. So again, this is about controlling an entire society. And to me, when you see those numbers behind it, you want to say, show me the numbers, show me the facts. This is just a county attorney saying, I want to exercise fear over a populace to let people know that they have to do what I tell them to do. 12 cases? 11. 11 cases. So imagine telling a bar owner in that county that they can't be open. That's right. He's like, why? What? Yeah. We've had 11 cases. And they were, I, I, guarantee, I, I can't guarantee, but I bet the majority of them are probably the elderly. Yeah. I, I can almost guarantee that. Yeah. And that's why Governor Abbott's mandate was just so bizarre. Because you're like, Texas is a really big place. I don't know if you've ever been here, Governor. But we're really, really spread out. Probably one size doesn't fit all. If you look at Brooks County and then you look at our governor, the, I'm always reminded of the uh, Remember the Titans quote where he says, attitude reflects leadership. Yeah. And the reality is that when you have the person at the head basically telling an entire state, do what I tell you or else, guess what? You shouldn't be surprised when all the little officials underneath them start telling everybody, do what I tell you or else. Mm. And it creates an incredibly bad environment that's not good for the Lone Star State. Yeah. Uh, All right, let's move on to more national news. So the Trump administration formally informed the U.N., yesterday of its plans to leave the WHO in a letter. uh, And a senior administration official told the New York Times, apparently, take that for what it's worth, it's from the New York Times, all right, I just got to give you full disclosure here, that the notice of withdrawal, uh, effective July 6th, has been submitted to the UN Secretary General, who is the depository for the WHO. Now, withdrawing from the WHO, uh, according to the Hill uh, it requires a one-year advanced notice, but the notice has been submitted. Trump has formally uh, announced that they are withdrawing from the WHO, and of course, Joe Biden is taking his opportunity to strike back at Donald Trump and criticize him for this. He said, Americans are safer when America is engaged in strengthening global health. On my first day as president, I will rejoin the WHO and restore our leadership on the world stage. Jason, that should probably not come as a shock to you because you know how involved Joe Biden has been with China and how involved the WHO has been with China. So it seems like they're very, they're on a very pro-China aligned uh, team. 
no surprise that Joe Biden would want to rejoin a, uh, a an organization that is basically carrying China's water. Yeah, we've pointed out that time and time again on this show and in the entire network. And, I, you know, we've exposed the uh, relationship between the Chinese Communist Party and their director, Tedros, at the, over the WHO. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely insane. China, just for a recap, China, well, a small recap, China was... Um, caught basically buying uh, political appointees at the UN and and these large government institutions so that they could get political favors um, back to China. It's exactly what happened with the WHO in China on this. They were caught basically red-handed. So it's no... It's no surprise, and we should be pulling out of the WHO. Mm. I'm not saying we can't eventually go back, but I will say that the United States is the most charitable nation in the entire United, in the entire world. It's not even close. We give more money out there to organizations like the WHO than anyone, mm-hmm. than anyone. Most of them combined, we still give more than all of them. Um, we are going to continue to do that. You don't need, this is why I was against the TPP, we don't need these massive conglomerate trade groups. We'll just do it individually. We'll right. reach out to mm-hmm. each nation. That, that's how you do these things. Um, that doesn't mean we're anti-trade. We're just going directly to the person. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't want another organization controlling what we do with our money and our stuff. It's the same with the WHO. We're still going to contribute to global health, like what Biden was saying. And that's what progressives and liberals think, mm-hmm. is that you have to be a part of these controlling organizations because they can do it better than you. Bull crap. Mm-hmm. We're still going to be the most charitable nation in the world. We're still going to individually give money specifically earmarked for global health. It's just not going to go through the WHO CCP. Yeah. Well, by the way, Luke, I mean, the WHO didn't like what what good did they do us uh, during this whole pandemic? Seems like they just gave us a whole bunch of confusing information, misinformation, misinformation. Uh, changed their story later on down the road when they could have saved a bunch of lives had they given us the correct information before. Uh, I'm I'm confused as to why we even would want to partner with the WHO. It's amazing that these are facts that the mainstream media just completely gloss over and have never even really acknowledged in a serious way. I want to edit one thing, though. You said that Joe Biden said this about the WHO, and the truth is he tweeted it. And if he was required to say both of those sentences together (laughs) at once, he might have struggled a lot more. He didn't tweet it. No, and I think... And and to me, Biden gets to speak on these issues, uh, you know, The longer it's a Twitter campaign, the better for Biden, right? Mm -hmm. As soon as he's actually required to stand in front of a camera and explain his own policy positions, um, you know, things will change. And I don't think the WHO is actually going to be a big issue come November. I think Americans are going to be far more concerned with, um, you know, Black Lives Matter and our economy and the continued pandemic, which Democrats will try to prolong into November. So it doesn't seem like a huge issue to me. You know what? It's actually a big issue to me because I think that the world is kind of stuck in this old way of doing things that might have worked at a certain time. Mm -hmm. Like no one wants to have a discussion about NATO. Mm. They definitely don't want to talk about Turkey's inclusion in NATO. Why? Mm. Because it doesn't make any sense. Yes. Mm. And I think the current administration is doing things and taking strides to renegotiate those things, look towards alliances to the future. Mm. I think the UN is an absolutely, utterly corrupt piece Mm -hmm. of crap. Mm. They just got caught in Israel with someone having a sex worker in one of their vehicles. You see that video? Look that up. It's absolutely disgusting. Um, that's your UN, ladies and gentlemen. Mm. We're not even talking about hate. Not yours personally. Yeah, I don't Sarah. either. I don't know. <laughs> I was talking to the camera. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> but, uh, but like, I don't really need to look that up. Yeah. I'll just take your word yeah, for it. Yeah, I believe you. <laughs> I need to see the video. It sounded disgusting. I don't need to see the video. Uh, all right, we've got more coming up. First, we want to thank our sponsor, this segment, Bambi. If you are a small business owner and entrepreneur, 
You probably know better than most people, HR issues can kill your company. You could be liable for a wrongful termination suit, minimum wage requirements you got to keep up with, all the labor regulations, and HR manager salaries are pretty expensive. Honestly, they're an average of $70,000 a year. Well, here's where Bambi is going to be so beneficial for your company. Now, it's spelled B-A-M-B-E-E, and they were created specifically for you, for the small business, for the entrepreneur. They're going to give you a dedicated HR manager They will craft your HR policy. They will maintain all of your compliance and keep you from being liable for forgetting some sort of regulation and getting nailed for it later. They will do this all for $99 a month. So it's also going to save you money. They are going to change your HR from your biggest liability to your biggest strength. Now, your HR manager will be available um, by phone, by email, by real-time chat. They will be accessible for you. They can do your onboarding. They can do your terminations. They can customize your policies to fit your business. They will help you manage the day-to-day. They will do it all for $99 a month. That is a steal, ladies and gentlemen. And especially right now, I know small businesses are trying, you're trying to cut where you can. All right, so let Bambi help you get your free HR audit today. You can go to Bambi.com slash matters to schedule that free HR audit. That is B-A-M-B-E-E dot com slash matters. Back in a minute. All right. uh, I was told that this is a topic that is going to get Jason all bent out of shape. So I'm a little (laughs) bit nervous for that one. But uh, apparently (laughs) don't ever get Jason Buttrell started on the frickin farm bill, please. Uh, More than 150 writers, journalists, academics and artists, Mm. including J.K. Rowling, Noam Chomsky and Margaret Atwood signed an open letter published Tuesday arguing that stifled free speech is creating an intolerant climate within Mm. society. Uh, This has drawn mixed reviews. I know from, I've seen it all over social media. Um, But Jason, I'm going to let you kind of point out the the high points of all of this um, to lead us into this discussion because I know you've been following it very closely. Well, there's there's two amazing things that happened with this. So it was in Harper's Magazine. Um, It was, well, I think it was primarily the work of one or two individuals over there. But they decided to do this uh, this little essay, if you will, this open letter, I think is what they called it, that um, pretty much said, okay, guys, um, you know, we're all liberals over here, sure, but um, this whole cancel culture thing's gone too far. Mm. Right. Like, so now, like, you literally cannot have a debate with anyone because if you if they have a different opinion than, uh, than yours, they're instantly canceled. They're instantly uh, there's some kind of retribution, and it's like fierce. Mm. So now people are scared to even have a discussion, and they're like, this is unhealthy. And they're like, not only that, but it's going to start putting, you know, it's going to start, you know, censoring voices that you might not even have intended to censor. Mm -hmm. But then the mob will, they don't, I'm extrapolating here, but then the mob will eventually come after you. Mm -hmm. So basically this is kind of a, you look into the abyss, the abyss stares back into you. This is the the left saying, oh my gosh, what did I just unleash here? Mm -hmm. And when I say the left, they got a ton of people to sign on to this. Noam Chomsky. Noam freaking Chomsky Mm -hmm. signed on to this. Yeah. Um, you know, not exactly, uh, 
a cons- not exactly a capitalist. I'd even <laughs> I was say. say you're, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say you're selling it short by saying not exactly a conservative. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, um, he's a lunatic, right? right? Um, but J.K. Rowling, a bunch of other people, uh, columnists from the New York Times, a ton of people that today we wouldn't expect to see them sign on to this. Right. But now they're like, oh, oh, oh. now this. That's the first amazing thing that they're starting to realize this. The second amazing thing that you're seeing from this is how much the more radical elements of, mm-hmm. of the left now completely came after them mm-hmm. and pretty much proved their point. Yes. Mm-hmm. They're basically trying to cancel them for saying maybe we shouldn't be canceling people yes. on this. It's going to bite you. This is basically the Robespierre you're seeing, not as violent and bloody, but you're seeing the same thing as when they're leading the, the, the movement uh, and directing the mob, the mob comes around and comes after you eventually. Um, I've seen many, uh, not many, I've seen multiple people that signed on to this. Once they saw the backlash, they were like, whoa, like, we didn't know what we were signing. You know? well, let me just read one. Let okay, me, okay. It's my favorite. So it's an author, Jennifer Finney Boylan. She's also a contributing opinion writer for the New York Times. She said, uh, amid the outcry, I'm sorry, she said, I did not know who else had signed that letter. <laughs> what I difference thought, does that make? <laughs> I thought I was endorsing right? a well-meaning, if vague, <laughs> message against internet shaming. Uh, the consequences are mine to bear. I am so sorry. Does that not like, is that not proving the point that like free speech would be free speech and it doesn't matter who's. I stood up for free speech until I realized that there were some people who had said some offensive things to people that I know that also believed in free speech. Yeah, I stood up for free speech until I realized that other people believed in free speech and I don't like them. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> and, uh, and look, we know that most of the criticism is all at J.K. Rowling, right? Yes, I mean, that, yes. that's what everyone's ticked about, which I think also proves the point yeah. of the open letter. In fact, it is incredibly vital that she was on that letter because that open letter with 149 names minus hers would not be getting near the backlash. But she has a position that simply says that a man who says he's a woman and she has probably different views than maybe maybe even those of us at this table, but she would say that person is a transgender person, he should be protected and all these rights, but we can't say that he is actually a woman because that's problematic. And they are not tolerant of that perspective. And that is going to cancel everything Steve Day said yesterday. I loved it when he tweeted that J.K. Rowling has done more to push back against gender dysphoria mm-hmm. than the entire Republican Party. <laughs> and it's absolutely true. And it's really more of an indictment on our side of the aisle to say, what is it that we're doing to push back? And But it's a really good thing that she's not only stood up, but then had other people that were willing to stand alongside her. And I don't, I don't think this New York Times columnist is you know, indicative of all 149. I think there are legitimate liberals that are saying, wait a second. I'm allowed to disagree with you on a certain particular issue and not be completely thrown out. Yeah. I, I could I could not believe that there was actually people on that side that were you know they're in essence saying that look we're no we want to go for the throat we we we, we want yeah. to go for blood yeah. they, they were just it, it boggles the mind how they were just so irritated and furious that they're like hey we want to make it to where there's more open debate mm-hmm. that's basically all they were saying. Yeah. And they were like, we shouldn't be canceling people outright without hearing their side and, you know, and having discussions. But, I mean, these are the people that we're dealing with now. Wouldn't you expect that letter to have names on it of people that have views that you disagree with? Isn't that the point of the letter? So, oh, I didn't realize there are people that I disagree with who also thought we should have a free society. Well, that's generally 
what happens in a free society? Right. <laughs> this chick at the Times, th does she agree with the letter or not? Because some of them said they didn't even know what was in the letter. And I call total bullcrap. Yeah. You just didn't, ex you didn't expect the backlash. Because yes. there's no way you didn't read the letter and put your name on it. Yeah. There's absolutely no way. And, yeah. and again, this chick from the Times, like, what <laughs> difference does it make? Like, I don't care. You take the worst human being possible. If all of a sudden that person says, hey, I believe that all lives matter and, you know, I, I believe in, you know, freedom. Right. Okay. Our names can be next to each other on that. It doesn't mean I agree with every single thing that person ever did or every single, single thing that I say said I agree with. It just means this thing we agree with together. It, it, well, what and you don't even have make? to see it as an agreement, right? You just mm -hmm. say, like, I, I read something. I agreed with the idea. Right. And I signed on to it. Right. Mm -hmm. It's not really my business who else agrees, agrees with, with that idea. Yeah. Right. Because it's the idea that I'm agreeing with, not, not the, the people. Yeah. Right. All right. We've got uh, we've got more coming up, including uh, Kanye gives a little <laughs> bit more in-depth. Well, he doesn't give an in-depth explanation on anything. Who am I kidding? <laughs> but he talks about his 2020 presidential run, supposedly. I don't know. We'll get into that. First, we want to thank our sponsor, Real Estate Agents I Trust. Uh, so trying to sell your home is a real pain in the rear. Trust me, I know, because we're about to close on the home that uh, we were in before we moved. And it is just, I mean, I can't imagine not having a good real estate agent who is going to come in and take charge of the situation because it's hard enough as it is when you have the best top real estate agents. Uh, you know, you may, might need the house painted and they'll have someone for you. You might need to replace the stairs in the backyard. You know, they've got all of the right people in their pocket for you and they're people that you can trust, okay? Real estate agents I trust is Glenn's company. This is Glenn Beck's company and he's already properly vetted these real estate agents to make sure that they are the top agents in their area. They are going to have the most knowledge about your neighborhood and they will see your selling process through from the day you interview them until the moment you sign on the dotted line. Uh, and by the way, you could try, oh, I don't know, going through Google or the phone book and like closing your eyes and picking a random person but then you might end up with someone like jason's plumber <laughs> who is a plumber true story and also has a real estate agent <laughs> license i mean i don't know maybe that's what you're into but it's not what i'm into uh, you can go to realestateagentsitrust.com enter your information let me tell you this i went through this process because when we went to sell our home i was like i'm gonna test this out and see if it's exactly what glenn beck says it is and i went and i typed in my information and i hit send and it was seven o'clock at night and I still had someone, a real estate agent in my area, call me within 10 minutes. It was incredible. And I don't know why I doubted Glenn because I know he always tells the truth. But uh, if you are in the market to buy or sell a home, you got to go to realestateagentsitrust.com. They did the heavy lifting already. They found you the right agent so you don't have to do it. It is realestateagentsitrust.com. Back in a minute. Rapper Kanye West uh, revealed today he no longer supports President Trump. Now, I think this is just for publicity for this whole presidential run Who thing because he has. He, I know, but but he he does have a history with President Trump uh, throughout his presidential term. He's done a lot of work with President Trump on criminal justice reform. Many many good things to say about what President Trump has done with not just criminal justice reform, but for the black community. And but can I just say, like he he. Needs to do something with his hat in this picture. He, it's too. It's too. He needs to 
to move it around a little all bit. All those hats suck. It's, They're made, all, the, all of them are horrible. It's just, it's too flat. Come on. Come on, Kanye. <laughs> uh, but uh, so he said he is was taking the red hat off. He claims he is campaigning to win. Now, I will just add he is working on a new project. He has a new um, song out. So... If I don't tell. know. Maybe it could be related, just like Every the last time. time when he had a new album coming out and he said he was wearing a red hat and everyone gave him attention. I don't know. I'm just reporting the news. Uh, but time. but Kanye was talking about uh, his disdain for the Democratic Party. He said that it is a form of racism and white supremacy and white control to say that all black people need to be Democrat uh, and to assume that him running is is splitting the vote. And he talked about his foreign policy, which would focus on protecting America first with our great military. He is pro-life, he says. Uh, He believes Planned Parenthood clinics do the devil's work. He says he has never voted in his life. (laughs) He contracted coronavirus in February. Black History Month is, quote, torture porn. And he says he is running for president because, quote, God just gave me the clarity and said it's time. Jason. (laughs) (laughs) Um, i don't make the news i just report it so he's obviously a clown i i I don't like okay so there's some things about kanye that i think are important Mm -hmm. like i'm glad that there are you know famous black people black people that are public figures that are helping to push back on this you have to vote Democrat. If you're black, you have to vote Democrat. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of black people are starting to say, this is bullcrap. Yeah. You know, like, w- w- what, which party is better for us? Like, w- what are the ideals that are better for us? It hasn't been working this entire time under right. this party. Maybe it's time, time to open our horizons and, and take a look at something else. I think that's good. I think Candace Owens has helped with that. I think Kanye has helped with that. I think there's a lot of people. Um, but Kanye, <laughs> I mean, he's obviously not the guy for this. We say it every single time and you point it out. Like he, all of these things coincide with an album release. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely ridiculous. When the guy wants to run his cabinet, like, a, you know, based off of a movie, might want to step back on that. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Uh, what was he, like Black Panthers? What do you want to, like Wakanda? That's what he wanted to run the, <laughs> the, the that's the experience you're taking from to, you know? <laughs> like, no. Luke. Um, I think anything Kanye does is harmful to the Democrat Party. So the one thing I will say is that everything he's (laughs) saying is only hurting Joe Biden. Will he actually follow through and be on some ballots in some states? Many states, it's kind of too late. Um, So he's got he's got a short window to get on some ballots in some states. Will he actually go through to that point? If he does, it's going to hurt Joe Biden more than it hurts Donald Trump. And uh, I'm sure every single mainstream media outlet's about to report Kanye removes his support from President Trump. But the truth is, you know, he more or less has just done an onslaught on the Democrat Party and their platform. And anybody from the black community that is feeling disenfranchised by Democrats will probably have an easier time voting for Kanye than they will for Donald Trump. So we'll see if he follows through with it. But more than likely, he's just going to sell a ton of albums and then go, <laughs> I've decided not to do this. We, we talked to John McAfee, you know, the you know, John McAfee. Yes. And uh, we talked to him, we asked him a little while back, like, why are you running for president? He might have, I don't know if he's still doing it or if he's dropped out. Yeah. And he just kind of bluntly stated right out. He goes, well, people like me don't yes. run to actually be president. Yep. We run because the publicity. For, yeah, for that, the exposure. That's it. Right. Now, if, if Kanye's doing that for an album, whatever. It's America, go capitalism. You know, whatever. Whatever you want to do. You know, try to sell records. 
But he might also be doing this as a kind of a wake-up type thing mm-hmm. because he knows he's not going to win. Mm-hmm. So really, what are you doing this? Maybe it's to for, you know to try to further this Blexit type movement. It could possibly be that. I don't know the man. Yeah. But if he is, well, hey, I think that would be some good exposure. Yeah, people say he might be a disruptor just to be a disruptor as if it's a bad thing. I think that might just be what the country needs to wake themselves up. All right, back in a minute. Today, I'm sorry, yesterday's poll, should schools reopen this fall or stick to online classes? Wow, 90% of you almost said reopen. 10% of you said online classes. I'd be interested to know how many of you think we should reopen but with masks. That should have been a third option. Reopen but with masks. It would have been interesting to see how many of you believe in that crap because I we can't have our kids around a bunch of people with masks, all right? It's creepy. <laughs> Today's poll, if Kanye West is on the 2020 ballot, who will you vote for? Oh, my gosh. Here we go. Kanye, Biden, Trump, or not voting, which, (laughs) hey, just the last election and all the previous elections was apparently Kanye because he hasn't voted. (laughs) Um, I feel like I don't need to ask you guys whether or not you're voting for Kanye, (laughs) but we've got about 50 seconds to kill, so I will. Jason. Uh, not not Kanye. It's a very important election, so it's either. So you're voting for Joe Biden. It's, so I'm voting for Joe Biden. <laughs> <laughs> you got to vote for Trump in this election. So yeah, much. Luke, what do you think? Uh, yeah, Trump. And the question is, how would Kanye answer it? Is he going to vote for Kanye, or is he also not going to vote, even <laughs> though his name is on the ballot? You know, it would be interesting to see if he like accidentally misses the voter registration deadline or something, yeah. and then can't end up voting for himself. Oh, you have to register to vote? Yeah, I'll be like, oh, oh darn it. I thought I had a person to do that for me. I didn't know. Uh, let us know what you think. You can go to The Blaze's Twitter. That is, of course, at The Blaze. Gentlemen, thank you for being here, as always. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the news and why it matters. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you'd like to watch the program, become a Blaze TV subscriber and start your free trial now at blazetv.com.